Hello, this is episode 277 where we're chatting about, well, I'm answering more than 20 questions. I've broken them up into sections. We're going to be covering weight loss issues, keto how-to, including fasting, keto flu, blood glucose levels, supplementation, keto in the kitchen, um, including food prep, ingredient swaps, fat quality. Ooh, it's a good one. So if you want to submit your questions so that I can answer them on an upcoming show, you can head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and submit your question. Now, this also is a great way to get in contact with me if you have ideas for upcoming episodes. I will take it all and create it for you. Just let me know. Again, the URL is healthfulpursuit.com slash contact. I'll also have that linked in the show notes so you can check that out either via your podcast player or head on over to ketodietpodcast.com and just look for the show notes for episode 277. So we're chatting about a whole bunch of different things, food prep, ingredient swap, fasting, keto food, blood glucose levels, a bunch of stuff. If you want to go deeper into this work, I also chat a little bit about my paperback book, The Keto Diet. So I have three paperbacks. You can find them at most stores, also online on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. Uh, The Keto Diet, which is a intro into the ketogenic diet. It gives you five different profiles that you can use for following the keto diet and making it work for you and your body. Then we have the Keto Diet Cookbook, which is really um, showing you how to plan your meals efficiently Um, without all the stress and complications that meal planning can often take and keto for women pretty pretty explanatory based on the topic or the title rather it's uh, keto for women and talks about how to balance hormones and all of that you can find out more about each of these books by going to ketodietbook.com and look for them in your favorite bookstore or online okay let's do this thing Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. First up, we're going to be chatting about weight. So our first question regarding weight comes from Donna. I'm 47 and I'm pre-menopausal and I can't lose weight. I did keto for weight loss and did lose 20 pounds, but it came right back. Could it be too many snacks and salt? Okay, Donna, depending on the type of salt that you're using, it could very well be the salt if it's not, or rather the salt could be contributing to some issues if it's not the right kind of salt. So I recommend either gray sea salt. Uh, Mason or Fee makes a beautiful gray sea salt that's very common in Canada. So hey, Canadian friends, uh, it's in a clear bag. It's got a blue label, label Mason or Fee. It's delicious. Then another gray great salt to choose is Redmond salt. Uh, Now this is a pink salt. It's so delicious. It makes everything so tasty and also tastes pretty good in water if you're adding it to water to kind of help with keto flu. So that gets the salt topic out of the way. Now, if you're going for like table salt, iodized salt, you're going to have some issues specifically with the iodized salt and your thyroid. So be careful of that. And um, when you can, you know, when you're out and about, if you eat out a lot, they're usually going to be using table salt. And that's one of the reasons I don't like eating out um, in addition to the oils that are used. And we're going to be chatting about oils in a bit later in today's episode. So that gets that out of the way. Now, keto snacks. 
Oh, snacks. My middle name is snacks. I love snacks, Donna. I totally feel you on this. So when it comes to snacks, my approach is only one a day. And if I can go a couple of days without a keto snack, that's even better. Now, there's nothing wrong with snacks, but generally speaking, keto snacks aren't going to have a lot of nutrition. So, you know, they're going to be good in the fat content. Of course, they're going to be great for fat. But if you look at the back and you look at the vitamin A or C or iron in there or calcium, there's probably not going to be a lot if anything in there. But if you're whipping up a steak and cooking it with coconut oil and then having it with a salad with pistachios and balsamic vinegar, that's going to be a lot better. And in a lot of cases, those keto snacks are quite heavy in calories and just calorie for calorie, you're going to get way, 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 way more out of the actual meal as opposed to the snack. Now, I'm a busy gal too. And sometimes there are days or like multiple days um, when I just don't have the time or energy to make a lot of food. And that's when I go for more of the keto snacks or, you know, I'll just grab an avocado and eat it or just like simple things like that. So just watch how much of your eating style is made up of keto snacks and like the convenience foods as opposed to whole food nutrient dense items. Now, you did mention, Donna, that you're perimenopausal, so there could be some hormone stuff going on here. That is very, very common for all women. Uh, hormones are so incredibly powerful, and just a little bit of imbalance here or there can cause weight gain, weight loss, fertility issues, um, fatigue, brain fog, oh, bloating, hunger, I mean, little your little pot belly, like all the little things um, can all lead back to hormones. So Donna, if you have access to a doctor who can run at the very, very least your progesterone, your cortisol and your estrogen at the very, very least, okay, you could get a lot more in detail of all the different hormones you could check, but those three can be a good indication of a uh, indicator rather of what could be going on. Now, you know, if your estrogen comes back really low or generally speaking in perimenopausal women who are your age, who are living in North America, our estrogen is usually probably going to be too high. So that could very much be contributing something as simple as having too much flaxseed. If you are, if your body defaults to creating estrogen too much, then having a ton of flaxseed might not be best for you. So just understanding that an increase of estrogen or too low progesterone, which is often common in perimenopause, can cause this. Now, cortisol is a whole other thing, right? We've chatted about this in the last couple of episodes on why cortisol does what it does. It increases our insulin, increases glucose, and can cause a lot of issues when it comes to insulin resistance. So, Having those tests are cortisol, progesterone, estrogen. These three can be very, very helpful to understanding where you're at and what adjustments you need to make. Now, Donna, if you don't have a healthcare practitioner that is super supportive and understands that as we reach perimenopause, it's kind of important to test our hormones. I've met many, many doctors who are fantastic and other ones who are not and don't understand how horrible it is when we don't understand what our hormone health is and we're having all these issues and nobody will help us. So if you are looking for help, be 
beyond what you um, are able to find, you can head on over to happyketobody.com. It's a program that I made with Dr. Lena Lewis Larson, and we have blood work within there that you can pay extra for. And Nina can review it for you. Dr. Nina can review it for you. Um, so that could be a good resource for you as well. So again, that's happyketobody.com. And I will include a link in the show notes for any of those interested. And it's just another way that you can go about things. We made this program specifically for women that aren't getting support from um, their primary health care practitioner, which is why I made the program with Dr. Nina Lewis Larson so that we could have a doctor on staff to review these things and really support our members going forward um, that just can't receive the support from others or want a second opinion and want the community aspect. So any of the levels within Happy Keto Body will provide that for you. Um, if you're looking for the access to Dr. Nina Lewis Larson to ask the questions and go on our, our monthly coaching calls, the VIP level is the best level for that. And as a VIP, you get access to our monthly coaching calls for the lifetime of the program. So even if you're done the program and you have a question, you can just jump on and ask Dr. Nina on our group call. Okay, Donna, I hope that was helpful. Gives you some tools. Yeah. Okay, next question is from Amy. So I've been keto for three years now, and I was wondering if I should be eating as much fat as a person starting out would. I saw on another keto page that they recommend not drinking fatty coffees because your body needs to eat its own stores of fat. What do you think? I'm feeling that I'm not as strict as I was at the beginning, but sometimes I'm lazy and have some chips. Okay, Amy, you've been eating keto for three years. The metabolism that you had at the beginning of your keto journey is going to be completely different than the metabolism you have three years into your keto experience. So it's just going to be different. I usually shy away from practitioners that say like, this is the way you have to do keto. Don't do fatty coffees. They're so bad for you. Um, because it might be that you really benefit from a fatty coffee, or there might be days where you just feel like a fatty coffee. And we don't have to do this all or nothing approach of like, now I will never have a fatty coffee ever, because there's probably going to be days where you just really want the fatty coffee. And there's really nothing wrong with that. So there is this approach. And we talked about this in episode 275. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it might be really, really helpful for you, Amy. Episode 275, where our guest Lauren talked about how if your goal is to lose weight, sometimes you have to go lower. Well, she said all the time, but I'm changing it. Um, so sometimes you have to go lower in fat calories to burn the fat on your body. Now, there are many different ways of approaching this. And if you have been dieting for a very, very, very long time. It's not the approach that I personally take, but you might really love that episode, Amy. And now you didn't say anything about wanting to lose weight. Amy, it sounds like to me, you're just wanting to do the right thing. Now, I don't know what your goal is. So Amy, if it's just to if it's to lose weight, your approach is going to be different than if it's to balance your hormones, which is going to be a little bit different to the approach if you just want to be healthy and do, you know, right by your body. And I really see no problem with having chips sometimes. In fact, yesterday we were watching um, a show on Netflix called Away. It was pretty good. We'll see how season two goes if it gets renewed. And I ate a whole bag of avocado oil chips. Now, I specifically buy those chips because I, if I were to eat the chips that have the sunflower oil and all the horrible things, I'd be all 
bloated and in pain this morning, but I really don't feel that way. And so just like with our carb up protocol, which I talk about a lot on healthful pursuit and in my books and programs, having a couple chips sometimes can actually help your metabolism because we should be able, especially three years into keto, be able to jump into uh, glucose burning, then back to keto and then glucose burning and back to keto. Now, I like to structure it a little bit more so that I know like I'm having um, these carbs at this time and then I'm going back into keto and I'm fasting. And so to answer your question, Amy, your keto is going to be different than any other's keto. Your body is uniquely yours. And because keto is a metabolic state, okay, it's not like I'm doing the vegan diet. This is just a glucose burning state. But with keto, it's less of a do this, 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 and you'll have success um, because it is a metabolic state. And because your metabolism has healed and shifted throughout the last three years, what worked for you on day one is not going to work for you on day, what would that be like 1000 something, something I'm really bad at math. Somebody please figure that out for me. (laughs) So to answer your question on should people drink fatty coffees? I think sure. Yeah. If you like them, I find like the, the, the bulletproof super loaded 800 calorie (laughs) fatty coffee might deter you from like eating real food for the rest of the day. That's something that I noticed that when my fatty coffees were like super loaded, I often wasn't hungry for the rest of the day and I didn't really get much nutrition. And I started dealing with some low iron levels, which I'm still trying to fix slowly because iron supplementation makes you really constipated or makes me really constipated rather. So I have to do it through diet. So if when you can, of course, have a fatty coffee if you feel like it. But if you feel like when you um, are having your first meal, whether that's first thing in the morning or at noon or two or three or whatever, whatever your approach is, having the fatty coffee is great. However, if you can go toward more whole foods, I think overall you'll be better off. But that's not to say like never have a fatty coffee again because it doesn't work. I hope that answered your question, Amy. You know what I love more than anything in the entire world is helping people. And when I meet a complete stranger and they're telling me about symptoms that they're having or symptoms that their dog is having or their loved one, Oftentimes, the first thing that comes into my head is, you should try CBD oil. And I'm, in fact, sitting in my car right now. I just drove an hour and a half to a friend's place to drop off a bottle of Eaton Hemp CBD oil. Their dog's having a really difficult time with an inflammatory condition. Nobody knows what it is. And I just thought, again, you need to try CBD oil. Now, CBD oil has massively reduced my symptoms of anxiety, but CBD oil does so much more including inflammation reduction, improving digestive function, improving sleep quality, reduces acne. But here's what you have to know before you grab a random bottle and start supplementing. Research, research, research your options thoroughly. Look for a CBD oil that uses hemp seed oil as the carrier oil. Now, the hemp seed oil means that the plant has been kept in its purest whole plant form, allowing for the terpenes and cannabinoids to work together in unison in your body to give you the powerful entourage effect that everyone is always raving about when it comes to CBD. Among high-quality CBD options, Eaton Hemp's unfiltered full-spectrum CBD oil is an all-organic choice. Again, 
all organic choice. They are one of the first unfiltered CBD products to be USDA certified organic. This guarantees what you see is what you get. No toxins, no pesticides, no label trickery. Eaton Hemp uses hemp seed oil as a carrier for CBD, giving you the full entourage effect, maximum absorption, potency, effectiveness, terpenes, cannabinoids, aka results, which is all good things. And if you're like supplementing, how do I even do this? Now, I personally take a dropper full a day with my dogs up until both our dogs passed away. Lexi was supplementing with 15 milligrams. She's a 60 pound dog. And Pebbles, who is a 10 pound dog, did a dropper to a day. Now with our dog Coconut, who's developed a little bit of inflammation, I've started giving her 10 milligrams a day and she's an 80 pound dog. I personally couldn't even imagine my life without CBD. It extended Lexi's life by three years, giving us so much more time to spend together when vets said it wasn't even possible. I cannot tell you how powerful a supplement this has been for me and my family. Now, I chatted with my friends over at Eaton Hemp and they put together a sweet deal for you. If you go to eatonhempcbd.com slash keto diet, again, that's Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, hemp cbd.com slash keto diet and use a coupon code keto diet you're going to get 20% off all eaten hemp cbd products that includes the salves and all the crazy things you can get into when it comes to cbd that's 20% off with the code keto diet at eatonhempcbd.com slash keto diet Okay, next question, also related to weight loss. Uh, Misty asks, I've been keto since 2013, maintained my healthy weight and rid myself of prediabetes. Yeah, Misty, that's awesome. In 2017, I had a total hysterectomy and since then have gained 20 pounds that I cannot shed I've tried intermittent fasting. I test my ketones daily with breath and blood meters. I've reduced my macros. I'm distraught. Please help me. Oh, Misty, I'm so sorry. That must be so frustrating. And I can't even imagine because you felt like you were so successful and you rid yourself of prediabetes. And that is such a huge thing. And I really, really want to congratulate you and commend you for that work because the dedication that you put toward yourself and really taking your health into your own hands, that's just so beautiful and wonderful. And I want to just like take a moment to hold your hand virtually and say that that's just so wonderful. When it comes to total hysterectomy, I have not met a human that's had a total hysterectomy that has had a doctor that explained hormone replacement therapy to them. Now, Misty, your doctor might be one of the ones that has, um, but based on the fact that you gained 20 pounds, I would say that nobody has talked to you about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. There are a couple of things. So I would highly recommend getting your hormones tested because it's essential that we know where your hormones are at. Now, when we have a total hysterectomy, as is the case, generally speaking, generally speaking, when we experience menopause and we're in postmenopause, our body is going to create hormones in other ways. Okay. So your body, Misty, is probably creating hormones in other ways. However, when we have a hysterectomy and like one day our uterus and ovaries and all the things are creating all the hormones for us and then boom it's gone 
it's a very different story. And so it's very, very important that we test at least, and I sound like a broken record, um, but test at least your progesterone and estrogen. Now, if you have a great doctor and you want to go even deeper into this and they're totally cool with it, testing for progesterone, estrogen, DHEAS, uh, testing your cholesterol, uh, total cholesterol, also your uh, triglycerides is going to be very important and your HDL and LDL really to get an understanding because oftentimes I've seen that women who have had a hysterectomy then have cholesterol issues, specifically triglycerides. So it's important to look at the ratio between triglycerides and HDL, not so much the total cholesterol that just gives you an overall picture, but it's not like a clear, clear picture. It's like glass that's had that Christmas, um, you know, that spray can of snow. It's like still glass, but there's snow on it. You can't really see through it. That's totally cholesterol really. So really, really important that we understand where your hormones are at. And then I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that there's something off balance there that's contributing to the the weight that you've gained that you cannot shed no matter how hard you try. And it sounds like you've tried everything misty and it's not working. So I think testing your hormones because you had a hysterectomy, pretty important because what created your hormones is now not in your body anymore. Now, some doctors will say that it's fine. Other doctors will say, oh my gosh, of course we need to test you. So I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, saying a little prayer that you can find a doctor that will support you in this. Um, an endocrinologist might be a good option. I've met a couple endocrinologists in my day that are awesome and totally understand this concept. Now with bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, it's important that you ask your endocrinologist or doctor if they can supply the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Now, I haven't been able to personally find an endocrinologist that supplies that kind of stuff. Uh, I generally have to ask a um, naturopath um, or alternative doctor to prescribe me the bioidenticals. But what I would guess, oh, and for you, Misty, also, I forgot <laughs> um, your thyroid is going to be pretty important because I would guess that your thyroid is probably overtaxed because of this. Um, so you might want to test at least your free T3 and TSH levels. So once you have all the results back and you're sitting with your doctor and they're an awesome doctor and they could prescribe to you something like desiccated thyroid in the form of either desiccated thyroid if you're in Canada. Canadian doctors really know what that is. Um, in the U.S., armor thyroid or NP that's N as in Nancy, P as in Peter thyroid. Um, that's going to take care of your thyroid if they find that there's an imbalance. Um, for estrogen, it gets a little bit iffy with estrogen. I don't know too much about the bioidentical support with estrogen so much as I do progesterone. But as long as you're going for more of a, a not even more of a, a bioidentical hormone replacement, um, that's what you're going to want to go towards. Same with DHEA. There's bioidentical forms of that, progesterone, bioidentical forms of that. Really just to, to supplement where what was removed <laughs> needs to be created in your body. And there's nothing to be shameful around this. I personally have been on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for going on uh, six years, I think. And there was a time where I thought, you know, it sucks. My body can't create this and this and this. I'm, I'm not a real woman, um, but I love that stuff. And it goes a long way. 
And you might even with progesterone be able to just do a cream. And that's a really lovely way of just like um, taking care of your body at night before you go to bed. So really the takeaway here, Misty, is I really, really feel like because you had a total hysterectomy, it could be very much that the weight that you've experienced, the weight gain you've experienced has nothing to do with intermittent fasting or any of the things that you've tried. And although I'm sure that's very, very much helping you metabolically because you overcame prediabetes and that's huge, that the hormone balancing is going to be really important to you going forward. Okay, next question from Laura. Thank you. Since March, I have reduced and eliminated my sugar, gluten, alcohol content and have lost almost 40 pounds. Yeah, Laura. Oh, that's so great by eliminating all the things your body doesn't need anyway. <laughs> I want to lose more um, about 40 to 50 pounds if my body will let me. I have been listening to your podcast and trying to get into ketosis, but I haven't lost much or nothing now for several weeks. I'm not sure what I'm doing or not doing to get there. I do have your food list and most of them I eat now except for beef and fish. I mainly eat chicken, so I have tried to increase fats from other sources. Help. Okay, Laura. A really great approach that I've learned of lately, especially for beginners, is to just eat keto, not introduce fasting until you're so ready to fast. Okay, so that might be an option of really, really focusing on the quality of food, how often you're eating and really, really tying into am I hungry right now? Do I need to eat? Okay, I'm not hungry. I'm not going to as opposed to forcing yourself. That might be really helpful to just like break it down into simpler steps. A mistake that a lot of keto beginners make, I made it too, was eating too many nuts <laughs> and way too much fat. Like I was eating like 250 grams of fat a day and I was feeling so gross and it just wasn't good. So you might want to lower your fat a little bit to just see if that helps a little bit. Um, also, it could be something that you're eating. If you are now eating keto and eating so much more fat and you're going toward fats in the form of dairy, there could be an issue there with inflammation that's causing an issue where you're not able to lose weight. So dairy is like usually the number one thing I go to. And because you've eliminated sugar, gluten, alcohol content, I have a feeling you probably eat dairy. And this isn't to say that you need to completely remove it, but things like cheese, sour cream, yogurt, that sort of thing, you might want to just stick to like butter and see how that shifts things. Yeah. Awesome, Laura. And if you want to go even deeper, Laura, the keto bundle might be a good option for you because you are a beginner and, um, you know, you're trying to find your footing and trying to see what works for you. The keto bundle might be the best option. You can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash bundle. Check that out. And I'll also include a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, and it just provides you uh, with more details as to how you can adjust it and the issues you might be hitting at. Like I talked about the nuts, the dairy, there are a bunch of other things that us keto people when we're first getting started think that might be beneficial for us, but could cause issues specifically for our body. So I give you a list of all of these things, how to know whether or not you're experiencing this and how to adjust. So again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash bundle. Okay, last question in our weight loss section of today's episode. Michelle writes, the keto flu symptoms are lessening, but I have gained three pounds in a week. Please tell me, is this normal and temporary? Michelle, it's 
totally normal, especially if you're a yoni bodied human and you still have a cycle. Um, so definitely check where you are at in your cycle. I wish I could have asked you this question before I put it on the show. Because generally speaking, if you are between like days 18 to day five ish, you're going to weigh more. Like it's like as soon as you've ovulated, your body's going to start to bloat up a little bit. You're going to start holding a little bit of water weight. You're going to start getting more tired and then you're going to bleed and then you're going to start losing that water weight, feeling really trim and slim and awesome. And then um, the, the cycle repeats itself. So if you've just ovulated and then you're starting to notice that the pounds are going up and up and up, uh, it's totally normal, at least for me, to gain anywhere between three and seven pounds during about days. Like for me, it's about day 20, 21 to day five where I'm holding on to that. And then after about day like four or five, then it starts slowly going down again. And then I can lose more weight beyond that. So Michelle, definitely um, pay attention to where you're at in your cycle because this do or rather this does has have a huge impact in our weight. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Okay, we're switching gears uh, into the how-to portion of today's episode which is, uh, first question is from Bridget. I'm looking at fasting. Can I have days off and still lose a little weight? I've been fasting for 14 to 18 hours most days for two years and doing a lazy keto. Now I'm getting a little keto bored. I'm missing fruit. And some mornings it feels harder to fast than others. Okay, Bridget, a couple of options when it comes to fasting and adjusting your fasting protocol. I really feel like there's going to be days where, at least for me, some days I fast long, sometimes I don't fast at all. um, And that's totally normal. I just allow my body to do what it needs. And if I get If I wake up and I'm hungry, usually I'll go for a walk or have some water and see if that helps because sometimes I'm just, I don't know, like I wake up hungry and then I have water and I'm like, oh no, actually I was just thirsty. So definitely check into that. I know that it's totally okay to switch things up. Um, You could also try fasting in the evenings. I've never been very good at that because I just like eating at night and it just if I eat in the morning, then I'm eating all day and then I'm eating at night and then I've eat, I've eaten for like 20 hours and I'm like, ah, shoot. Um, so just try on different approach, approaches and see what works for you. Now, you did mention that you're getting a little bit keto bored and you're missing fruit. I see nothing wrong with trying out and seeing if you could do a carb up in the evening with your last meal, and then see if you are able to fast longer. In my example earlier, I talked about eating a bag of avocado oil potato chips, right? And that was around 9pm last night. It's noon now. I'm not hungry at all. And that really helped me reset my leptin. And I am good to go for another couple of hours totally fine. So sometimes when we have, oftentimes when we have those carbs in the evening on our low carb diet, It actually helps us extend our fast even more, especially during the summer months and into the fall. I mean, anytime you can find like beautiful fruit and it's really important. I feel like if you're craving an orange that you allow yourself to have that orange and really hold on to that orange and peel it and smell it and, you know, have like an intimate session with this orange or whatever fruit you're craving. 
Next question is from Christy. Hi, Leon. I'm currently listening to episode four and I'm in tears. Oh, I love that episode. It's so good, right? I've battled for so long with doctors telling me the same thing again and again and again, and I leave disheartened and upset. I basically have to starve myself to keep a normal weight. I work so hard, and after years and years of fighting with myself, battling not only weight, but also PCOS, I decided six days ago to start my keto journey. Listening to this episode, I finally feel like it's not just me, that someone gets it. Thank you. It wasn't a question. I just loved Christy's message, and I really want to highlight um, how beautiful it is um, that we have this community here and that we can learn from one another. And all of you inspire me all the time, every day with your messages and ideas and, and struggles so that we can highlight that oftentimes it's not just us experiencing it. And Christy, I'm so excited for your keto journey. And for those listening who want to head on over to episode four, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites uh, with Dr. Jason Fung, where we talk about why restricting calories and fasting doesn't work (laughs) and all the struggles and frustrations that we can have when we push our bodies too hard. Um, So Christy, thank you so much for your beautiful comment. And I'm so, so happy to have you here. Next question is from Juanita. I am a type 2 diabetic and have been doing keto but can't seem to get my blood sugar down or lose weight. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Please help. Okay, Juanita, I highly recommend um, working one-on-one with a doctor, especially as a type 2 diabetic, to test everything and keep keep a lookout for things with you. Um, If you have that support, I highly recommend really, really leaning on that support and asking for the help that you need to to monitor this. Now with type 2 diabetics, in my experience, it's very, very possible for us to be able to eat keto and lose weight and feel really great. Um, Juanita, um, next episode, episode 279 actually. So in two more episodes, episode 279, which will be launching on November 8th. We're going to be talking about continuous glucose monitoring, um, which may be a really great tool for you to understand what's happening. Now, I'm not sure if your doctor has recommended this for you because you are a type 2 diabetic. I believe that um, this would be an amazing tool to check out. Um, We're going to be talking about it all in that episode, so I highly recommend uh, listening to that. And basically, the continuous glucose monitoring sticks on your arm, it's connected to your phone, and it sends a direct feed, okay, of all of your glucose levels in 15-minute increments. You can change it to as many increments as you'd like, and it uploads, and you can see what thoughts, okay, yes, thoughts because of stress, what exercise, movement, food, everything is contributing to your glucose being higher. Now, I would guess, Juanita, that because you are a type 2 diabetic, you've been doing keto, you can't get your blood sugar down, having something like this would be aces. So you can chat with your doctor about it or wait for the episode. I'm going to be providing some information about how you can get a monitor yourself. It might be a really good option because when our blood sugar is down, we're able to lose weight. Before that, when our blood sugar is elevated and our insulin is working over time, especially for you, I'm not sure if you're on insulin, um, it's really important that we get those levels down. Okay, the next group of question, there's just one, has to do with supplements, specifically CBD oil, and this question is from Pam. Now, I got this question multiple times after I sent an email about CBD and posted it on my Instagrams. I just figured I'd take some time to answer this because it's so important. It's the most important information I've shared. (laughs) 
this whole episode, probably my entire life, maybe not. Um, could you please tell me how you determine the dose of CBD oil for your pup? I just placed an order for Eaton Hemp CBD and I'm looking forward to reducing my symptoms of anxiety. Okay. CBD oil is not just for you, my friends. It is also for your furry friends, your furry babies. I'm looking at our dog Coconut right now and she's like lounge. We went to the beach this morning and she's like so happy and sleepy and wonderful. I've had three dogs in my adult life and each one of them has been on CBD oil for some reason or another. Our little one Pebbles who ended up passing away due to heart complications started having heart attacks and these little like micro heart attacks, we started giving her CBD oil and it helped quite a lot. We extended her experience on this planet for at least another six months in addition to her other medication. And it just helped her relax. Um, now for all of our dogs, we start them off with five milligrams of CBD oil per 25 pounds the dog weighs. So for Pebbles, she was like 10 pounds. So I gave her about two milligrams. That's what I started her off with. Now for Lexi, she was in a really bad condition when she was 14. She was diagnosed with hip dysplasia. We were told that we'd have to put her down quite quickly. That was in 2017 and she lived until 2020 and it was all CBD related. I didn't do anything else. I started her off at five milligrams per 25 pounds. She was a 60 pound dog. So I gave her about 10 milligrams to start. And then she ended up being on 25 milligrams every day. Uh, no, that's a lie. Uh, she went up to 20 milligrams total every day. Now that made it so that she could walk she wasn't limping and it stayed that way until about four months uh, before she passed away. And then it just got so bad. And no matter how much I gave her, it didn't help. But for those for those two and a half years that we had her extra when the doctor said there was nothing we could do, I was so incredibly happy for that. And had it not been for that, she never would have been an ocean dog and never would have journeyed with us to the Bahamas and beyond. So I'm so incredibly thankful for the experience that we had with both Lexi and Pebbles to extend their lives enough that they could stay more with us with CBD oil. Now for Coconut, our Doberman, she's three years old. Now she has a minor condition. She just has a little bit of inflammation in her eye, in her cornea specifically. And so she's 80 pounds and she's on 15 milligrams of CBD. Now I'm talking a lot about CBD, CBD, blah, blah, blah. Now I personally recommend Eaton Hemp CBD for a lot of reasons. Um, Lexi, in fact, was our first dog on CBD and we had her on CV Sciences and Lexi was on 75 milligrams of CV Sciences CBD. So it was uh, three capsules at night. She, oh, it was so frustrating giving her those capsules because she wouldn't eat them. It was such a pain. And I thought like it was really helping. But then when we moved over to eating hemp, I was like, I'm going to take this really slow and just give her, what was it, like 40 milligrams? And she was like, that was way too much. It was way, 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 way too much. So I went back to the five milligrams per 25 pounds. The dog weighs because this stuff is so incredibly strong. You do not need a lot of it, which is so great because the bottles are not cheap. However, they last, last a lot longer and are so much more potent than the other options out there, especially if you're like, I've seen CBD oil for sale at gas stations. Like I can tell you right now, the quality of that, you may as well just throw your money 
on the road. Like it's not going to do much of anything at all. So all of our dogs have been on eaten hemp. Coconut loves it. She looks forward to her nighttime. We call it her nighttime treat. And it's just in a dropper. We use the extra strength. It lasts for her about three months, one bottle. So it's like really, really doable. So if you are interested in getting eaten hemp for your dog, uh, also it's great for humans. We talked about that in episode 268. We also had Brian, the co-founder of Eaton Hemp on in episode 248, and he talks about how CBD oil works, why it's effective in our bodies, what the conoidal system is. So that's a really good episode if you want to learn even more about CBD. But basically for dogs, the takeaway here is five milligrams of CBD per 25 pounds of the dog weighs. And this is a great starting off point. If you're interested in getting eaten hemp, you can go to eatenhempcbd.com slash keto diet. Now, when you use a code keto diet, you're going to get 20% off all of eaten hemp's CBD products. That's like a steal of a deal. Like I don't even know how they're able to give us this epic discount, but I don't ask questions. <laughs> don't ask why when you really love it. Just never ask why. Um, so it's eatenhempcbd.com slash keto diet. And Pam, I hope your dog feels better. I'm not sure what's wrong, but it's been very helpful for our little family. Okay. Next section of today's podcast episode is food prep. Okay. This is super fun. I like eating food, making food, being around food. So fun. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice, free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to high-quality protein sources less expensive and more available to all. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher-quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox since 2017 and love Love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it. Their ground sausage is a dream. It's my personal favorite. Head on over to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to build a bundle that fits you and your family and start eating high quality meat without all the hassle of searching high and low for the good stuff. Okay, Susie's question uh, is what kind of blender do you use for making nut butters? Well, Susie, I use a Vitamix and I hate every moment of it. <laughs> so I have a large base Vitamix and I bought this under counter or under cabinet version of the Vitamix probably like, uh, I guess when I still lived in a house, so like four or five years ago and it's still going strong. Sometimes the motor just stops working because it gets overheated because it does not like making nut butters or like basically anything that's tough. It does a really good job with smoothies. There's never any pieces in the smoothies or anything, but the large base makes it so that the ingredients don't pulse down as much. And if I were to do it again with a Vitamix, I would definitely get the smaller base, not under the counter, tall jug. I'm not sure if they make them still, but it was so, so much better. I tried to make nut butters in a Ninja when we were staying at a friend's house and that does not work. Like that was like, oh, I lost so many nuts that day. Um, and I had a blend tech, you know, the will it blend that blender. I gave it to a friend. I'm like, you need to take this. Otherwise I'm going to burn it. <laughs> I could not handle that thing. So like blender wise, I do like the Vitamix. I just wish that I wouldn't have gotten the large base because it doesn't do a good job. Now there's a like, 
plug thing that you can get with the Vitamix. I think it actually comes with it. It's like this pulser thing and you put it at the top and you push the ingredients down. Now that works quite good, but if you're making a nut butter and you're not adding oil to it, it's just not going to work. Now on the flip side, having a food processor, Ooh, a food processor for nut butter is so much better. I don't know why it just makes a better nut butter. Now my favorite ever food processor was a black and decker from 1997 that thing was a beast it was 40 bucks at at home hardware i think that's a canadian thing um at home hardware and that thing was just amazing so amazing I did have a KitchenAid food processor, which I liked, but what I didn't like about the KitchenAid is that it was a uh, liquid friendly and any of the food processors made liquid friendly have the seal around the top of it and the ingredients can get stuck in the seal. And I got to tell you, I had that thing for three years and I think the very first almond butter that I made was still in that seal. It was impossible to clean. So definitely watch for that. But I guess the summary is the blender that I would choose to buy again would definitely be a Vitamix, but I'd look for like the, the smaller base Vitamix. Now I haven't done, I haven't looked on Amazon or anywhere. Um, but if I can find something, look for it in the show notes. And after I've recorded, I'll try to see if I can find an example of what I mean. So Susie, you can just go there and see if it will work for you. Cause yeah, those, those large base blenders are, ugh annoying. Okay. Uh, next question is from Monica. I'm loving my keto journey so far. Your audiobooks and podcasts keep me motivated. Yeah, Monica. Uh, thank you. My question, uh, what do you think of Swerve brand sweetener? I think it's made from fermented fruit. It tastes like sugar alcohol and that it doesn't stay on your tongue long. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for all you do, Monica. Okay, Monica. Swerve brand sweetener. I like Swerve. I like their baking mixes. I like their brown sugar so much. My blood glucose responds to Swerve and it also gives me a little bit of acne and I'm not entirely sure why. Probably because like your body really doesn't know or most bodies don't know the difference between real sugar and the fake stuff and fake stuff. I mean, Swerve. I really enjoy replacing uh, sugar with Swerve one-to-one in recipes. Now, as you experience keto, you're going to find like your taste buds just change and the amount of sugar and things just is far too much. So I kind of replace it like a two to one where if a recipe calls for one cup of brown sugar, I'll use half a cup of swerve. Now that doesn't work for all recipes because they actually need the sugar to do the things that sugar needs to do to hold the recipe together. So it's definitely my personal sweetener of choice compared to all the other sweeteners. I like how Swerve is consistent. <laughs> like some of these other brands, it's like some monk fruit is granulated and some is powdered and you never really know what you're going to get and the quality is bad and not da, 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 da. now I believe now I, I don't entirely know, but I believe the reason why I react to Swerve is because there's probably corn in it. Now I haven't, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't, I don't react the best to swerve. Um, if I had to choose a sweetener that I react to best, I would have to say real sugar, <laughs> like serious, like, cause you don't need a lot of it. And it's just a little bit. But if I were to go a step further, I really like using things like dates and bananas in recipes. I find that I don't personally react to them as much as a sweetener. 
that's very much a personal thing and you won't know unless you test your glucose in order to find out what you react to. But for baking, if you're just wanting to bake cupcakes, cake, anything, um, swerve, oh, it acts just like sugar. So that could be a good resource for you. Okay, next question is from Beth. My neighbor turned me on to exogenous ketones, Prove It brand. (laughs) I'm wondering which brand you recommend. Clearly, by my reaction, Beth, it's not the Prove It brand. (laughs) Um, Do they really help you get into ketosis? Do you recommend taking them daily? I'll search through your podcast to see if you've done an episode on them and also search through your books to learn more about how they work. Beth. You're beautiful that you said you're going to do some of your own research. I think that that's just great. Okay, so I had a friend that gave me a bunch of Prove It and I tried it and then I felt like dying. (laughs) It's so gross. It's so gross. Like, it's so gross. The amount of sweetener that they put, I can't even, even when I talk about it, I feel like throwing up. I really don't like the Prove It brand up for many reasons. One, taste. Two, way too sweet. Three, why you got to put caffeine in it? Oh, four, they don't list how much BHB is in their product. That's a big problem because you're paying a lot of money for BHB, right? You're paying a lot of money for these ketones and you don't know how much is in them. So I recommend exogenous ketones from Perfect Keto. I just love them. I love the company. I love the people. I love the product. I love the price. I love that they list how much BHB is in it. I like that it's not overly sweet. They're quite bitter because exogenous ketones should be bitter. (laughs) Um, They don't combine caffeine with their products. And the reason I don't like caffeine is because when you take caffeine with exogenous ketones, it's like, is it the ketones? Is it the caffeine? I don't know. I feel so awesome. And so I really feel like brands like Prove It do this to make it feel good when it doesn't. And I remember chatting with Prove It right when they were getting started. They were reaching out to bloggers and wanting to do all the things. And I had a long conversation with them. And there was like a lot of money on the table. And a lot of bloggers and influencers were like, yeah, Prove It. This is so awesome. And I said, no. <laughs> this stuff is gross. I don't care how much you're paying people. This is not okay. And so I like to go to brands that are just like, we're awesome. Try it period. Not, we're awesome. Try it. Here's all the money you can make by promoting us. Blech. And so that's kind of the, the, the behind the scenes look into what it's like. And so I'm always quite nervous promoting these sorts of brands that make it all about the money making and less about helping people. And that's another reason why I like perfect keto exogenous ketones because they're just know that they're awesome. And they're like, here you go. Eat this. It works period. So if you decide to go with Perfect Keto and give them a try, I do have a coupon code you can use. Try the code HEALTHFUL, all in caps, or KDP. Either of them should work, should be the same. If it's not, use the one that gives you more money off. Now, you don't need exogenous ketones in order to follow a keto lifestyle. I really, really, really want to make that clear. If you're looking to boost your immune system and get more ketones in your body, awesome to use exogenous ketones. Um, Now, there are some people that say that by taking exogenous ketones, it like stops your body from being able to make exogenous ketones. This doesn't this doesn't make any sense to me. That's not how the body works. But um, I'm going to include a link to a blog post that I wrote a while ago on my thoughts on exogenous ketones. You can take a look at that. Um, I was very hesitant to share exogenous ketones, to take exogenous ketones all those years ago. 
I've changed my tune. I like them. I don't use them that often personally, but they are a good resource for people that need it. Okay, last question. We made it. Oh my goodness, I can barely talk. Um, Last question is from Allison. Hi, Leanne. I read your book, The Complete Guide to a High-Fat Diet, The Keto Diet, Cover to Cover. Yeah, Allison. I've been on a high-protein, low-carb diet for a while, but wasn't feeling right, and there was minimal, if any, weight loss. I've just shifted to keto, and so do feel an increase in energy and reduction in inflammation. My issue is that I just realized my brand new bottles of avocado and coconut oil are 75% sunflower and 25% the oil that I wanted. Do I have to toss and replace? Oh, Allison, I'm so sorry. This is so disappointing. Oh, Okay, first off, I love that you have the book. I love that you read it. I love that you're changing your fat field profile based on how your body's feeling. I'm guessing you're doing daily fat burner fat field profile um, or rather, yeah, maybe you are. I'm not sure. Let me know. I'm curious. Uh, such a bummer about the sunflower oil. So if you remember reading in the keto diet, and I'm going to read for all those who are interested and kind of go through pages 137 to 140 of the keto diet. It's the orange book, the first book that came out in 2017. It's so incredibly still relevant. I'm so proud of myself for making this bad boy. On page 139 of that page, it goes through sunflower oil. Now, sunflower oil has an omega-6 to omega-3 ratio of 40 to 1. I'm going to explain what these numbers are, but hold tight. It has saturated fat content of 10, monounsaturated fat content of 45. These are percentages, 10, 45, and polyunsaturated fat content of 40%. So polyunsaturated fats should not be heated, period. And when these percentages are like 40%, mind you, not as high as like grapeseed oil, which is 70%. Whew, baby, I used to eat grapeseed oil like it was going out of style. Or safflower oil that's 75% polyunsaturated fat. Oh boy, be happy that your coconut oil, avocado oil mixture did not have safflower oil in it. It is highly inflammatory to consume these polyunsaturated fats and cook them. And I guess because you bought coconut oil and avocado oil, you want to cook with this stuff. And at 40% polyunsaturated fat, it's probably not a good idea. It also has a high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. So I'm going to read this section from the keto diet. It's on page 133. Allison, you can just head on over that page and give yourself a good refresher so you can decide if you want to continue using these oils or if you want to toss them in the garbage or burn them. (laughs) So polyunsaturated fats. Polyunsaturated fats are always liquid. They're more likely to become oxidized during heating, so they're not good for cooking unless they are naturally refined and bear a label defining that they are cold-pressed, centrifuge-extracted, or expeller-pressed. Seek out minimally processed or naturally refined oils, which are less likely to be oxidized. Foods containing these oils, such as salmon, trout, hemp seeds, chia seeds, and flax seeds, should be minimally heated just until cooked. Two polyunsaturated fats, omega-3 and omega-6, 
are considered essential fatty acids. The body cannot produce them, yet they are required for normal body functions, so they must be obtained through food or supplements. Consuming an unbalanced ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 in the standard American diet, that means too much omega-6, is associated with an increase in inflammatory diseases such as metabolic syndrome, autoimmune disorders, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, cancer, and psychiatric disorders. The ideal ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 is 1 to 1. Okay, so let's go back down to this chart and look at what I said for sunflower oil. 40 to 1. Okay, very different than 1 to 1. 40 to 1, quite high. It's quite high. The typical ratio in the standard American diet is 10 to 1 or 25 to 1. A ketogenic diet that's high in saturated fat and low in processed oils is naturally balanced in omega-3 and omega-6. Soybean oil and corn oil are two of the top heart-healthy, quote-unquote, polyunsaturated oils recommended by healthcare organizations, but their ratios of omega-6 to omega-3 are 7 to 1 and 46 to 1, respectively. And the processing of these fats causes them to be oxidized, contributing to free radical formation and inflammation. Safer polyunsaturated fats are hemp oil, walnut oil, flaxseed oil, and canola oil. Now, I'm not going to get into this episode why canola oil may not be the worst, worst one, but I do talk about it in the book in further pages if you want to delve deeper into it. Assuming that they are minimally processed and cold pressed. Okay, those are big words, minimally processed and cold pressed. These oils should not be heated. Plant-based omega-3s are more difficult for the body to convert to the forms it can use, EPA and DHEA, so it's better to go with animal-based forms such as fish. EPA and DHEA are essential for fetal development, regulated immune response, reduction in inflammation, and improved cardiovascular function. Wow, that's so smart. (laughs) I love reading from this book. I worked so, so hard on the keto diet, and it's always so wonderful to read from it. I'm like, dude, I did so much work on this book, Allison. OMG. So I really am glad that you really enjoyed it. So if I were you, Personally, 75% sunflower oil and 25% the oil that you really wanted. Ooh, I know what I'd do. I know exactly what I would do. I would make a body scrub out of it. Yeah, go on the Google machine and type in body, homemade body scrub, sugar scrub maybe, and just like make fun things with it and don't eat it. That would personally be my approach or like look up recipes if you have kids where you use oils and then use up all the oils. Maybe there's like fun paint that you can do with oils or some fun crafts that you can do, or I don't know what you can do with it, but I personally wouldn't eat it. Now, that's not to say that I'll never have sunflower oil or any of the oils that I listed that may be harmful. When we go out, I don't stress overly about the oils that I'm consuming, though I do feel the effects the next day, but it's really a balance, right? Like if you're out with your friends and having a good time and you're eating food, like whatever, somebody makes something for you and it's not the best oils, whatever. But if you get a chance at home to make decisions for yourself, maybe better to go without the sunflower oil. Now, if you just spent all your money on this and it's all you got, girl, live your truth. If it's the difference between no oil and 
consuming food that you have on hand, then eat what you got and don't make this mistake again. Oops. And you never will. So it's really, 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 did I say really important to not trust anyone, (laughs) not trust any label, any information, always check. And even your favorite products that you love, 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 always check because oftentimes these brands, not naming any name, wild chicken chips will change their ingredients without telling anyone. So many brands do this to cut costs, to cut costs and to cut more costs. So it's really important, even if you love something to always check because things are always changing and these brands won't always. I've actually never seen a brand be like, hey, we used to cook with coconut oil because we know how healthy it is, but we just switched over to sunflower oil to save money. Enjoy. No, they're not going to say that. (laughs) They're going to make it like this big bois thing of like new flavor. So awesome. Or just not say anything. And then you buy it at least eight times until you realize. So don't trust anyone. Always read the back. And I'm sorry, Allison. I'm really sorry that this happened. Okay. Wow. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed today's episode. That was a lot. There's going to be a lot in the show notes from my thoughts on exogenous ketones, blender choices, the bundle, episode 275 that you might want to check out. Oh, just all the things. Happy keto body. Oh, didn't we have fun? Okay. Next up on the podcast, Sunday, November 1st, episode 278. Kristen Mazzinelli is coming on the show to chat about intermittent fasting for weight loss. Oh, I just loved this episode. I think you will too. And then Sunday, November 8th, episode 279, we're having Casey Means chatting about mastering your metabolism with continuous glucose monitoring. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. I've been waiting for months. It's going to be awesome. I hope to see you there and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, nutrition, and diet and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor should it be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.